Good morning, everybody. Happy snow day if you're here in the, the Kansas City area. Uh, it is a, a, a beautiful wintry day. We've, we've gone a, a while here in Kansas City with, without really much snow this winter. So as I look out uh, my window, this is an actually full-blown snow event that we're having this morning. So let me give you a little taste of the snow cam. Uh, this is the scene right now from uh, St. Patrick's Catholic Church here in Kansas City, Kansas. That's our church out there. Uh, there are actually cars out there driving on the road every now and then, and the, you can see the flags out there uh, whipping around, going crazy a little bit. It is, um, well, it's uh, it's what we've, the kids anyway, have all been waiting for. So uh, thanks for, for joining me here uh, this morning. It's been a while since we've done a Sean the Baptist live show, so it's good to be back with you, and Happy to join you. I hope you've got a nice cup of coffee. Uh, I've, I've got my coffee here. So uh, part of doing a, a live show, I've, I've done a lot of videos lately. So I, I put videos out there for everyone to, to kind of look at. And uh, But to do live is meant to be interactive. So I see a lot of people joining us uh, this morning, jumping on. Uh, welcome to uh, Patricia and Janice and Susan uh, good to have a bunch of other people on too. So, uh, if you're if you're watching, jump over to the Sean the Baptist page, and I can I can see your your comments in there too, as well as Diane jumping on there. So, I do want this to to be a, an interactive uh, kind of day. So, how's it been going? Uh, the last time we we talked, I actually looked. The last time I did a, a Sean the Baptist live show from the the Sean the Baptist studio, well, it was it was June. So, um. Now, obviously, I, I've done some other stuff. Why I was at Philmont this summer and posted some things, but uh, good to be back with you live. This is something that as I, I look back now, it's it's interesting to to think back to where we we were uh, just a you know year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, where uh, Facebook Live and the Sean the Baptist Live Show, as I remember, it, it it sprung up from the the need during the pandemic for for people to be able to. Uh, connect and and be able to get together and and even though we were separated from COVID, there was that horrible time where the, the churches were even closed and we couldn't come to mass. Uh, wow, we we've come a long way from there. Uh, I stopped doing the Sean the Baptist live show on my normal Wednesday nights because well we just didn't need it because we were able to get back together in church. But um, you know the this morning I as I I thought about wow snow day well. What a great opportunity to say, well, once again, we, we can't really get together today. We're all snowed in, so why not uh, why not do a, a little Sean the Baptist live show uh, this morning? So good to have everybody on. I'm kind of warming up here as, as people kind of uh, jump on and, and post their comments. So um, one of the things that I'll draw your attention to is the, the Sean the Baptist Facebook page. Obviously, you've, you found it. Because I'm going live here today, but if you if you found it from some other place like the St. Patrick's page, or uh, from the uh, my personal page or something like that, uh, go ahead and uh, maybe if you could uh, give a follow to me on the the Sean the Baptist page. So click on you know somewhere probably right now if you're watching on the Sean the Baptist page, there is a way for you to click follow up at the top. If you would please do that. Uh, I'm, I'd be very happy to have you follow me. And then if I do things like this, you will get notified even. So you can do that. I see, uh, oh, Eddie Seganak is on again, uh, was a regular on Sean the Baptist Live. 
And uh, one of my Phil friends from Philmont Scout Ranch. So shout out to uh, Eddie. And Susan is on and she says, oh, good. She's healed. Uh, I'm not sure I had anything to do with that exactly, uh, but I, I did pray for that. So that's awesome. Uh, Eddie got hired at Ring Place, one of the camps at uh, Philmont. So that's great. Um, it is uh, interesting how Facebook can help bring people together. So I'm happy to host this little event this morning to uh, kind of give us a, a chance to be a, a community, as a, as it were. And uh, not only the Sean the Baptist page here for you to follow, but let me uh, point out too that um, while we're not live together, I do have a couple podcasts. So the the homily podcast has been going for for quite a while, and I've I post my homilies uh, every weekend to uh, seanthebaptist.org uh, is the webpage. But you can you can get that podcast on on iTunes and Google and everything. Just go to seanthebaptist.org and one of the menu items. If you click on the the menu to expand it, if you're on mobile or on the desktop, it's right at the top. Just click on podcasts, and it's got ways for you to subscribe to the podcast. So I, I have the weekly homily podcast, but then uh, a lot of people are not aware. Uh, over the last uh, year and a half, I started a morning message podcast. So it's five minutes uh, each morning, normally a little bit about the scripture from mass, but sometimes other topics. So if you just want five minutes to start your day off well, I normally... I record it actually live each morning, and I, I just post it, uh, so it normally goes out sometime in the morning. If I really get good at this, maybe in the future I will uh, do it where it's actually scheduled. I could do it a day ahead of time and schedule it. And I'm not that good right now. Uh, there are other things going on <laughs> at the parish, so I, I can't always uh, get the morning message out until, well, maybe later in the morning sometimes. But normally what I shoot for is celebrate 6.30 Mass, I've prayed since about five. I've got some thoughts in my head, and then, and then maybe I'll share that with you in the morning message. That, too, is a podcast. So go out. You can find it on Apple and iTunes, things like that. Oh, Nicholas Koch is on. Uh, that's awesome. He and his wife, Shannon, are amazing young couple that I did their wedding uh, this summer. So good to see Nicholas uh, on this morning. I hope uh, everything's well with you and your lovely new bride. Um, Yeah. It is uh, not uh, wedding season out there right now. In fact, as I, I look out the window, I'll give you the, the snow cam again here. Um, it is it is really coming down out there. The the drifts right now, which you can't quite see, they're, they're actually drifted up uh, over the, the awnings of the church. Uh, St. Patrick's Church is a big A-frame church, and and so the the roof is about four feet off the ground. Uh Right now, there are drifts over over top of of those four feet. So, drifts are anywhere from I can see sidewalk in some places and four feet in others. So, if you're from Kansas, this is how it goes sometimes. This is a this is a snow that has a lot of wind to it, so it's it's drifting and things like that. So, thanks for everyone for saying hi and checking in the comments. But uh, if you've got questions, uh, let me know. I will certainly uh, follow that and, and try to to get to to some of your your questions uh, out there today. I love to hear from you and and see how you're doing. But uh, with with that aside, all right, let's all little toast of toast of coffee here. All right. So what I thought we we maybe talk a little bit about this morning. Uh, you know, I love the liturgy. I love I love all things uh, liturgical. And so one of the things on my mind right now is that I, I pray the, the Liturgy of the Hours or the Daily Prayers of the Church. Uh, I use the uh, the version from, from 1962, 
Uh, so it, it's all Latin and a bit more extensive than the uh, the current one. That's the minimum that priests are required to do. And uh, in that, the the calendar uh, that we follow, sometimes if you know the traditional Latin mass, as it's sometimes called, well, it has a, a different calendar too. One of the things that we we changed or or lost, you could say, after Vatican II, was a, a whole season of pre-Lent. Now, everybody knows Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, but there's an entire season uh, that's known by the Latin word septuagesima. Now, that sounds really complex. Uh, it literally means 70 days. Because here's the deal. We, we call Lent, in, in English, we use the word Lent. Uh, Lent means spring, which is somewhat awkward because, well, it only happens in the spring in the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, if you haven't noticed, the largest growing population of the whole church is in the Southern Hemisphere in South America and Africa. Africa, the largest growing Catholic population in the world. So it makes it a little weird that we would call it Lent uh, for everyone. And in fact, most people do not call it Lent. The, the word that is most common in almost every other language other than English is some form of 40, 40 days. So quaresma in, in Spanish, quadragesima is the word for Lent in Latin. It means 40 days. So the pre-Lenten season of Septuagesima literally means 70 days. 40 days for Lent, we know is, is 40 days until Easter. So loosely, you know, 70 days before Easter starts the pre-season of Septuagesima. And the way it works is that we've got three Sundays that precede the beginning of Lent. So actually, last Sunday was Septuagesima Sunday in the traditional calendar. And what this does is it, it starts kind of a, a warm-up, as it were, before we get into the, the whole fasting uh, of the, the hard fast of the 40 days of Lent. Uh, the church in history has kind of said, well, we need a, we need a little warm-up period. So there are a few things that happen in this pre-Lent Septuagesima season. One that is, is interesting is that um, we will see this happen for in the modern calendar uh, for the beginning of Lent, and that is the, the goodbye to the Alleluia. Now, I'm, I'm happy to be able to say that now on Sean the Baptist Live. Uh, during Lent, we, we do not say Alleluia during Lent. You'll notice it's gone because, I mean, it's a word that means praise the Lord. So why, why not say praise the Lord in, in Lent? Well, it's, it's sort of a, a fasting that we take on in, in the liturgy. And so we'll say goodbye to the Alleluia. Farewell, Alleluia. There's even a song uh, about it. And then it'll come back at the Easter Vigil in a very solemn sort of way. I suppose you'd say that Easter and Alleluia have, have kind of started to go together, at least in the, the liturgy in the, in the West. That um, there's nothing particular Easter about Alleluia. It's just that we we use it a lot um, around the Easter time, and so it's it's started to become associated with Easter. So we fast from it during Lent. There are, are ceremonies that that go with this, and the reason I bring it up now is because in the traditional calendar, this farewell to Alleluia and everything it happens well last weekend, um, Saturday night, in fact, in the afternoon, uh, that Sunday of Septuagesima, last Sunday, 
begins this pre-Lenten season in which one of the ways we prepare for Lent is to say goodbye to the Alleluia. And I love this. You can you can Google this online and find lots of images probably of farewell to Alleluia uh, or Google burying the Alleluia. Because sometimes uh, what, what people would do is they would write the word Alleluia on a, a banner or something and then, then take it out. And on the last day that you're going to say Alleluia, so Saturday afternoon before Septuagesima Sunday, you would actually write it on a banner and then like bury it in a little coffin out in the, the church cemetery. Uh, or sometimes people would hide it, you know, somewhere under a, a cloth. Or it's a, it's a kind of pious tradition. There's nothing in the liturgy that requires a burying of the Alleluia or, or something like that. But it, but it is a, a nice kind of way to to say, okay, um, we're gonna we're gonna warm ourselves up for Lent, and one of the ways is to say goodbye to Alleluia. So Septuagesima Sunday, last Sunday, and uh, the other two Sundays, churches sometimes not so creative with our names. So uh, Sexamagesima Sunday and Quinquagesima Sunday literally means uh, 70 days, 60 days, 50 days, and then Lent is the 40 days. So uh, not so uh, not so creative, I, I get that. Um, so that's a little bit about the pre-season uh, of, of Lent. There's of course, everybody probably is aware that before the changes in Vatican II, uh, every Friday was a day of abstinence from meat. So, of course, uh, that that's something that happens in Septuagesima. We are not officially obliged to that uh, until Lent begins. But, you know, if I had to suggest a way to start to prepare for Lent, you want to do something maybe small to kind of uh, get ready, well, maybe you could start giving up uh, meat on Fridays now. Because here's the deal. We miss this all the time. When the church said we don't have to fast or abstain from meat on on Fridays throughout the year anymore, it did not just do away with it. Rather, the the church said, okay, if you want to, you can substitute some other penitential act on Fridays rather than everybody give up meat. So it was not a, a replace. It didn't mean, oh, now Catholics can eat meat on Friday. What it was, was that now Catholics are are free to choose something else penitential on Friday. I would hold that, you know, giving up meat on, on Fridays remains a pretty good thing to do. And so maybe these, these three Fridays before Lent actually starts would be a nice way to ease back into it and say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start abstaining from meat on these Fridays. At least do something. Uh, that is, of course, what the, the church ultimately has in mind, that Friday is a day in which every Friday of the year we're to fast and abstain uh, to honor the, the day that Jesus died on the cross. So there's there's a way that if you want to observe Septuagesima a little bit, maybe start now with the whole abstaining, or at least start to, to maybe do something. Um, the other thing is that now, this pre-Lenten season, I think it's a good time to start to think about all right, Lent is coming. Uh, sometimes I think, you know, uh, Ash Wednesday just kind of hits us out of the blue. Like, oh, Lent is here. I should get ready. So I do like the Septuagesima season as a way to say, all right, Lent is coming. One of the, of course, Catholic traditions is, well, what am I going to give up for Lent? All right, start thinking about that now. What what are you going to do? And I always suggest, you know, something something material, uh, and something spiritual. 
And I, I often will tell people, um, it doesn't have to be just a giving up. It might be a, a taking on as something uh, additional. So something spiritual and something material. Material might be, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna give up TV or we're gonna give up uh, Facebook or Instagram or we're gonna you know, give up uh, you know, watching things online all the time or, okay. I mean, that, that could be something good to, to give up. But then, you know, what are you going to replace it with? And this is, I think, the part that we we miss a lot. Uh, we could add stuff, <laughs> you know. All right, we're going to give up TV. Great. Instead, we're going to watch a Catholic movie together as a family. Or maybe we're just going to pray the rosary together. Maybe we're going to, you know, make a pilgrimage somewhere together. These are all physical, material things we can do. But then, of course, there's the spiritual and here it might be, you know, to do some extra prayers like the rosary, to get up earlier, to maybe try to make, you know, a half hour of meditation. A lot of people in the past year did the whole Bible in the Year podcast uh, with Father Mike Schmitz with Ascension. Um, I I started that and I didn't quite get through it. So I'm giving a little bit of a reboot uh, myself and want to add that to be kind of part of my spiritual routine. It's a little bit different for priests because we do have those prayers that we're required to pray all the time. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of praying, uh, official praying to get done. And then I like to I like to have some time just for my own personal prayer. So uh, a lot of times it's it's not scripted obviously at all. It's just kind of meditation. So I invite you to think about that. Meditation is a great kind of prayer in which it's not uh, rote memorized things. It's not even a text, but perhaps we we just give uh, a chance to God to speak to us. And so meditation might be something you would would add. Okay, so think about maybe as Lent comes, what you might do there. What are, what are you planning to do? Show me in the comments. Uh, give a little uh, feedback about what you are, are thinking about. So Susan, uh, and notice that today that Moses fasted for 40 days before receiving the Ten Commandments. No wonder Christ did also. Exactly. Um, these, why 40 days, of course? Well, it goes back to uh, Moses in the wilderness. They wandered for 40 years in wandering. Moses fasted for 40 days before receiving the Ten Commandments. Of course, Jesus himself fasted for 40 days before beginning his public ministry. So 40 is a particularly a poignant number of days to, to fast and prepare for, for something. Um, and, and he's right. There's a lot of similarities between Moses and Jesus, uh, and so we do what Jesus did. He fasted for 40 days to get ready for something big. And so Easter is the biggest thing of the year. So we we fast for, for 40 days to do that as well. I'm going to try to look over it. Now, I mentioned the way I do this. I did post some, you know, announcements uh, about this over on my, my personal page, the St. Patrick's page. So I am just really quickly going to jump over and, and see if anybody has joined up on uh, my my personal page and maybe saw something there. Uh, no, no comments there. And then the St. Patrick page. I used to, to go live in, in both places. Now I'm, I'm only going live uh, to the, the Sean the Baptist page so that uh, everyone can join in in one place and I can see the, the comments. So I'm just going to check real quick. St. Patrick. Let's see if I can find where I posted there. All right, see if anybody has posted anything there. 
No, oh, okay, good. We got some likes. We got some check-ins. Lots of uh, lots of people following. So good for you guys. You you found it. Um, so meanwhile, back here, let's see. Uh, all right, here's some good questions. So Susan has a question. Why is only a priest allowed to do intinction, dipping the host in the blood? Why couldn't a Eucharistic minister do it? I missed the blood during the pandemic. Uh, good question from, from Susan there. So Susan is talking about the way we receive Holy Communion at Mass. Um, there, there are three ways that this can be done. The, the oldest and, and one that is universal throughout the whole church right now is what would be known to receive on the tongue. So the priest says the body of Christ, you say amen, you receive the host on the tongue. Uh, and then we, of course, receive in the hand, uh, the body of Christ and the, the priest or minister puts the host in your hand. Um, but then to receive from the chalice or the precious blood, normally it's a separate cup and you would go and the minister would say the blood of Christ, you would say amen, and you would take the cup and drink it, or in like the, the Anglican ordinary version, uh, the minister would actually tip the cup into your mouth. Um, but there is a third kind of uh, mode of receiving communion, and that is by intinction. It literally means to to dip into, and this would be when the host is dipped into the precious blood, and then the, the host is put, obviously, on the tongue. Uh, the body and blood of Christ, the person says amen, and the host is put on their tongue. Susan's asking that why is it that only a, a priest... Uh, or a deacon, uh, can do this. And that is because uh, this is a very, uh, I'll say, dangerous way to distribute communion, in that there is danger that the precious blood could drip, uh, things like that. So the reason it's done this way is because uh, no no person is allowed to, to dip the host themselves in the chalice uh, because it might drip. The way this is done when the priest does it is that... Uh, he is holding uh, the chalice. There is a minister there with a patent or a plate to put under the, the tongue of the person who's going to receive, and another minister is holding the host. So the priest takes a host from the vessel, dips it in the precious blood. Meanwhile, there's a special minister there with the plate so that nothing drips. He then puts it on the person's tongue, saying the body and blood of Christ. So it's, a, it's, it's hardly ever done in the, the Western church. Now, in the Eastern church, so those, those 23 Eastern Catholic churches, uh, Ukrainian Catholic Church, Ruthenian Catholic Church, Armenian Catholic Church, things like that, their intinction is the norm, but it's, it's done very differently. There, the, the hosts are, are not unleavened. They're leavened bread, and they're like little cubes or cakes almost that get all put in the chalice, and then it's, a spoon is used to actually spoon out uh, a piece of the body of Jesus now mixed with the precious blood, and the spoon is tipped into the person's mouth so that they receive the body and blood at the same time like that. So there is history of intinction in the Western church. It is allowed only under those certain circumstances, normally to, to protect so that the precious blood does not drip. But in the East, very normal that communion is received, uh, definitely not in the hand, but on the tongue with a, a spoon even to, to put the both species on the tongue at the same time. So great question from Susan. Uh, Diane says that... Uh, Gail and, and her are doing a study called Teacher of Prayer. That's kind of interesting. I might have to, to look that one up. So thanks to Diane for that. Um, don't have a particular uh, time limit on, on this, so we're, we're coming up on about half hour. I just kind of wanted to, to check in. I'm, I'm noticing in, in my little uh, video feed that every now and then it blinks that it's like waiting for the, the signal. It didn't used to do that. And if someone could tell me, is, is are you seeing that, that it like blinks off every... 
every so often. It looks like it comes right back, but um, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe there's something I need to change there. So if someone in the comments could let me know uh, about that, is it every now and then blinking off saying that you don't you don't see me or it's waiting for the signal? Looks like it comes right back. So maybe, but maybe there's something I need to to change there. So Diane also saying Opus Angelorum, the work of angels. Um, okay, so Diane doesn't notice anything. Good, no interruptions. It's just just me. So great. Uh, any other questions out there? Um, well, I'll give you a little update on the on the snow here. Here's the the ongoing situation, and this is a, a good time for us too to to pray uh, about uh, those who are out in the cold uh, right now. Um, good good to keep in mind that. Uh, I am blessed to be in Sean the Baptist studio right now, and there are a lot of people out there in the cold. So we we pray for those who are, are homeless, the the poor. Uh, our first reading at Mass is is all about rich versus poor, and you know you would you would think sometimes in our society uh, that it is it is better to be rich. Certainly, that would be the goal that I think most people would have today. If you had to be poor versus rich, well, I would choose rich, and I think most of us would say that. Uh, but there is, of course, Jesus is teaching that being rich does create obstacles. Uh, we do have a sense of then, I'm self-sufficient. I can provide for myself. If I need it, I'll just go get it. I'll just, I'll just go buy it. And we, we kind of lose the sense of, I think, giftedness, the way every day is a gift. The word grace literally means free, free gift. Um, if we think we've got enough of everything ourselves, I think sometimes we miss out on the, the giftedness of how everything is ultimately not something we're entitled to. Um, I saw the other day, someone was, I, was talking um, with regards to food, for instance. Here in Kansas, uh, we're big on farming. A lot of Kansas income is through farming. And someone was, was talking the other day about, um, you know, they didn't like the fact that people killed cows to get steak. And their response was, why can't people just go to the grocery store and buy steak? Why do you have to kill a cow? Um, yeah. So talk about, I used that because like talk about not knowing where things come from. Uh, that's how much we've kind of made it a, a just like, if I want it, I just go get it. We don't even know where things come from. If you're eating food today, thank a farmer. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to have maybe some nice steak today if I can you know, I think we've got some pork chops or something here. God bless pigs. Pigs are one of God's great animals. It's a shame that uh, they had to be off limits in the Old Testament. I'm really glad one of the best things Jesus did uh, was make all foods clean because, gosh, I love bacon. Pork and, and bacon, just some of the greatest things that God created. So today, give thanks for bacon. Um, yeah. Uh, so being aware of where things come from, poor people— have to know that everything is gifted. I went out um, this last year with Project Uplift here in Kansas City. Uh, vans run by a friend of mine, Ross Desert. He uh, takes vans out and they go to places where they know the poor will be. And so today will be a big day for that. They go with clothes, they go with food. Uh, I was I was the hot chocolate guy. So we open up the, the back out of the, we're serving hot chocolate out of the back, warm soup or some kind of casserole or something. And then they can come up and just say, well, what clothes do you need? And they could say, well, I need some gloves. Do you have any pants? Mine have holes in them, things like that. Um, today's a great day to kind of be mindful of that. It's not bad to be rich. 
but there are ways in which we can lose sight of how dependent we all are on God. People who are dependent and are poor upon other people to help them with the physical needs often have a very, very deep spirituality about, I'm needy. I, I don't just need food and clothing. I, I, I need God. Uh, so that would be a good thing for all of us to kind of get in, in touch. Uh, Janice uh, is, is asking, how can I donate? Uh, Project Uplift. Let me, let me grab their, their website here. Um, Project Uplift, KC. And they are uplift.org. So I will go ahead and throw this into the, uh, the comments for y'all. Here is, uh, here's the website for Project Uplift. Today would be a great day to, to think about Project Uplift. I will, I'll even pin that to the top so that people can find that. Um, Project Uplift. Friend of mine, Ross Desert, goes out. He will be, no doubt, finding the poor and homeless today who are cold. Uh, Patricia is asking, what about the resume the precious blood at Mass? To be determined. Uh, we are figuring that out here at St. Pat's. Um, so we're not sure. It, it's been a little interesting with the whole mask mandate uh, things. So um, we're, we're just about the, the point of ending the mask mandate here in Wyandotte County and, and things. So um, stay tuned. We'll see what happens then. Uh, in Genesis, God said, let there be light, but didn't create darkness. Uh, did darkness always exist or come about because of the goodness of light? Does God create bad things? Oh, excellent question, Susan. Yeah, so we read in the book of Genesis, which, little plug for Septuagesima, the, the readings from Matins, the, the early office of the day, the prayers that I, I say at the beginning of every day, start with the book of Genesis. So part of Easter is the idea of God recreating the world. It's a new creation. So we start the pre-Lenten season of Septuagesima reading the account of creation. So Susan is asking, in the beginning when God creates, it says he creates light. Where did darkness come from? This is an excellent, excellent theological insight because it you're right on when it asks, what about, what about bad things? So darkness does not actually exist. Now that's kind of interesting to think about. Rather, Darkness is the absence of light. So in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, it says in Genesis, the earth was without form and was void. There was nothing. And think about that. That's a deep thought. When God created, there was nothing. Uh, and then he says, let there be. Literally, fiat. Like Mary says, fiat, let it be unto me according to your word, to Gabriel. In the beginning, God created by saying, fiat luke's. Let there be light. And there was. So out of nothing, God created something, light. So the absence of light, we call darkness. So there is no darkness, qua darkness in itself. It's only the absence of light. In the same way that there, there, there is no cold. It's, it's only the, the absence of heat. In the same way, there is no pure evil. Pure evil would simply be the complete absence of good, and pure evil cannot exist in the world because God is good. And even the fact that the world exists, even the fact, get this, that Satan exists is a good. The fact that God doesn't destroy anything he makes, he allows Satan even to continue in being, is because there is some good 
even in the fact that Satan exists because he is a being created by God. Now, he has fallen and corrupt in every other way. So bad things really are just the absence of a good that, that should be there. So that's a, I love to, to think about that because so many times I know in my own life, I, I feel like things are really going wrong. You know, I'm struggling. There's suffering. I wish it wasn't this way. At that moment, I, for myself, think, all right, the fact that I know that this is not good, that it feels bad, reminds me that I, I really do desire some place where there is permanent lasting good. The relationships I, I have, I don't like them to end. I, I like to keep my friends, uh, but things change. People, people move on. Like, okay, I, I desire something permanent. And the fact that I do means that th- there is some place where that will, will be fulfilled. The absence of a good that I think should be there reminds me of heaven because there is no pure bad. So keep that in mind. If you're feeling the weight of something that seems bad, evil, absence of, of something, well, you desire heaven. Good for you. Uh, pray for it. Uh, and ultimately, we, we say that the virtue of hope is the virtue by, by, which, we, uh, by which we desire heaven. Okay? Uh, so more questions. Um, God created heaven and land, but not water, flood, sea, too. Yeah, so there is interesting. Um, God, of course, uh, created everything that is. So uh, in the beginning, it is interesting because the, he does create, he, it seems like the waters there, it, it's kind of poetic language to say that the spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. Obviously, water is already something. So one of those great questions, though, why is there something rather than nothing? Um, this, is, this is one that modern science really just does not get. And this is, I, I'm a scientist, I'm an engineer. You guys know that. I, I love engineering. Computer science is my background. Love physics. Uh, my greatest love at high school, I loved high school physics. Uh, so I am very deep into uh, physics, astronomy, cosmology, uh, all these sort of things. But but here's here's the thing. Science today wants to try to cross over in in what, what we would call what I would better call scientism, the idea that science explains everything. That just this cannot work because the, the question of, of why there is anything at all, that is a question that science just by definition cannot answer. Science deals with the created world. It deals with things we can see, things we can touch, experiment upon. That's science. To, to do experiments and, and repeat things, okay, great. But science can't tell us why scientific laws exist in the first place. You know, the scientific method is designed to create theories, test theories, you know, and, and eventually maybe we, we find a, a law. Great. Why do laws exist in the first place? Why does the same thing always happen twice? Why, if I drop something, does it fall to earth? Well, the law of gravity. But why is there the law of gravity? Well, mass, it draws things together towards the center of mass. Okay, why that? Why did it have to be that way? Now, now we get into the realm of philosophy. And I would say philosophy and science are are certainly not opposed. They both need to stay in their own lane. 
A lot of times people talk about Galileo, that, that famous controversy. Like supposedly people think that, well, Galileo discovered that in fact, the earth goes around the, the sun and the, the earth is not the center of the universe. And then, you know, the church just imprisoned him and tried to silence because of that. Not true. Galileo got in trouble with the church because he said, not only is the earth not the center of the universe, but this means that man is also insignificant and not the center of creation. He tried to, to jump the bridge from a scientific thing to now what does this mean? That's where he gets in trouble. Because the church knew long before Galileo that the, the earth was the, not the, the center of the universe. Copernicus, the priest, way early on, that ancient Egyptians knew this. There's, I mean, sure, were there uneducated people who didn't know for sure? And yeah, sure. But were there people who are good, solid Catholics that, but long before Galileo who knew that the, the earth is not the center of the universe? Yeah. Absolutely. Galileo got in trouble because he tried to give theological meaning to what he thought he had found. Can't do that. Uh, one of the um, famous uh, atheists uh, out there wrote a, a book uh, called um, a, a Brief History of Time, and, and then he updated it, A Briefer History of Time. But uh, essentially what, what he said was, uh, in his first book, he said, well, you know, it is a question how there can be something out of nothing. One of the great principles of, of theology is, is, well, philosophy is from nothing, nothing comes. So if there was nothing and now there's something, how did that happen? Uh, he, uh, this is Stephen Hawking I'm talking about, by the way. Um, he eventually changed his opinion to say, actually, something can come from nothing. The whole universe came from nothing. Uh, in the beginning, was a low quantitative state. And from that nothing, everything came. Okay, again, this is science trying to jump the bridge to philosophy. Uh, a low quantitative state, whatever you want to say that is in physics language, is still something. That's not nothing. So Stephen Hawking, sorry, but you've already got a something uh, from which something comes. Who created the low quantitative state? Who created the idea of quantum physics and quantum mechanics in the first place? You know, philosophy is the only thing that can give us the answer of why is there something rather than nothing. It's also the only thing, theology, that can give us the meaning behind, okay, so the, the earth stays still and the, the sun moves around it. All right, what does that mean for theology? Nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. I mean, it did cause a panic. People freaked out because, well, if the earth is not the center of the universe, maybe man is not all that important. Enter Charles Darwin with a lot of evolution. Further, this uh, idea that man is just random. We're not special. Okay, um, this is a theological thing. Is man special? Are we created by God? That's a theological question. How God did that, poetically given to us in Genesis, scientifically able to be experimented upon, things like that. Two separate lanes. And uh, if we're going to be good scientists and good theologians, philosophers, uh, we gotta, we got to stay in our own lane there. So uh, great questions there. Uh, okay. I, I think I've, I've got to all the questions. That's, that's, we're, we're coming up on 45 minutes, so maybe that's what we, what we needed for uh, today. Uh, happy to have, have joined you on this uh, Sean the Baptist Live Snow Day uh, edition. I do hope that wherever you are uh, out there today, uh, stay warm. Uh, enjoy uh, 
shoveling uh, the, the snow if it stops. Father Mark here at St. Pat's loved to shovel snow. Like, it's his thing. Uh, for a while, when I first got here three years ago, he, he would be out shoveling snow and I would feel guilty. Like, I, I should go out and shovel snow with him. I got over that pretty quick, actually. I don't feel guilty at all. I can look out there and say, oh, there's Father Mark shoveling snow. I'm going to watch from my nice warm room with my coffee. Uh, but today, it's actually snowing so hard and blowing right now that even Father Mark, the abominable snow pastor, uh, has not been out to shovel snow. So it's a it's a, a big deal here. I'll give you the, the full screen snow. Here is the, the live look from St. Patrick's Catholic Church in Kansas City this morning. Um, yeah, it's pretty serious out there. So I hope you've got a nice warm cup of coffee. I hope Sean the Baptist Live has uh, helped you connect a little bit uh, this morning. I don't know when I'll do this again. So again, um, please, if you haven't already, do uh, give a, a follow to uh, the page here. So if you if you hover, for instance, over any link where it says Sean the Baptist, and it's got my little coat of arms next to it, it'll pop up a little menu, and one of the things you can click on there is follow. If you've not already followed me, please do that. That way, when I go live again, uh, you will know, and, and we'll get a little message, and uh, I try to post articles. And again, uh, go and check out, um, I'll, I'll put the little link in here, so that um, if you are interested in uh, the, the morning message, so uh, five minutes uh, every morning, uh, it comes, you can get it through whatever kind of uh, podcast app that, that you use. So I'm going to put that down here in the comments as well. Here's a link to the specific part of Sean the Baptist that does podcasts. So feel free to Check that out and subscribe either to the homily podcast uh, each weekend or also to the uh, the morning message podcast. Um, okay. All right. Well, it's been great to be with you this morning. I pray that you have a great day. Uh, enjoy the snow. Go make a, a, a snow person or something. Go sledding. And, uh, uh, and until I, I'm able to, to get back with you again, uh, just know that I'm always here. Send me messages. Sean the Baptist. And uh, I would be happy to answer those questions. And if I get enough of them offline, I'll do another uh, Sean the Baptist Live. Till then, pray that Almighty God would bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day.